0: Hi, and welcome to today's episode of Torquem Talk. Super excited for our guest today, Preston Calicott, CEO of Five Talent, Um, my mentor. This guy is just a good person through and through. Uh, So involved in the community here in Bend, from Opportunity Knox, looking forward, now for OSU Cascade, Central Oregon Business Planning, Cascade Business News Advisory Board, uh, OSU's Cascade Collab Observatory Board, the Bend Chamber. And that's just some things that he's on the board of. He's also in the Bend Livability Project, Discover Your Forest, uh, Summit Robotics, Opportunity. I mean, it goes on and on and on. I can literally just list it forever. And you can sense that good in this purpose of looking out for other people and not profit. And I hope um, you guys are able to take some back from uh, Preston and I's conversation. Preston, you um, have been a uh, excellent mentor to me, unofficial one, but what, where is official mentors? Is there an <laughs> official mentor sign up? I don't really think so, but you've helped me a lot over the years uh, build Mazama to what it is. and thank you for that. Um, and you basically have, I'm fascinated with the way you operate for a couple of reasons. Um, one, you've had a lot of success. So, um, and failures and failures. So, but over the years, uh, serial entrepreneur starting, failing with businesses, succeeding with a bunch. Uh, you were telling me times back when, uh, just tons of money was coming in and you were kind of realizing that that's not really what it's about, which that's the second thing I'm fascinated about is I truly believe you when you say that. Um, I don't believe everybody when they say that, but when you say that, Uh, I see it not just because you're saying it, but because your actions. So the amount of community involvement you're in is um, uh, too big to list. Uh, I listed it before the podcast, but, um, and the amount that you end up helping other people without expecting anything in return, um, with all the help that, for example, with just in my personal experience, you have helped me tremendously. Uh, Monetarily, I don't think I could put a price tag on it, but you've never come back to me and said, I need you to buy this or hire us for that. Not even close. Right. Yet we have collaborated. Sure. On stuff, and I've given you business and vice versa. But it wasn't. It wasn't even because there was like, oh, I owe this guy it was more because I was like, I know that you do good work. Right. And the same here. You're the right fit. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Um, anyway, there wasn't a question there, but was getting asked. I'd like to start <laughs> with. Um, I want to try to get in help people understand how. You think the way you do. So, when you, what was the first business that you were involved in or owned? Mm-hmm. Not involved in but the first one you owned. The first one I owned. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, shortly after college, when I I was
1: hired by HP, and I had a you know, pretty good success run at HP, and I had some funds, and I started a bunch of companies at that time, which was okay.
0: <laughs> mistake number one. <laughs> <laughs> mistake number one is accepting funds uh no
1: uh creating more than one company you know oh, okay uh i have a cattle, cattle company and a recruitment company and a software company. a cattle company yeah <laughs> I, I don't even go there uh, okay i didn't know that one it was uh you know all all just spontaneous entrepreneurship gone wild mm-hmm. and uh with very little controls and you know of course it's there's no way to perform well when you're spinning up three. And, no. um, and although I had a lot of energy, um, you know, something I had to give. And you know, one
0: succeeded, two failed. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so uh, two failed, which one succeeded? The recruitment company. Okay. Yeah. So and tell me about that, how did that succeed?
1: It actually uh, took off and it was a consultancy basis, right? So mm-hmm. it, was, uh, it wasn't anything that was gonna be an exponential growth rate of any sort. I sold it to my uh, first wife for a buck. Okay, so she she took that over. Um, yeah, so that was you know that was a lesson learned is focus
0: early on. So when you focus on the recruiting one, like what was what would be like your as you put your business superpower in that time.
1: Well, it was all relationship. Everything um, everything that actually succeeded is where relationship uh, was at the top of the game. You know, so even you know, previously uh, my success at HP, AMD, and Price Waterhouse, mm-hmm. you know, to an extent, were all based on uh, building relationships. And you know, the entrepreneurial out of the box, bull in the china closet as well, which mm-hmm. is uh, great for startups and not so great for established companies with processes. But um, yeah, relationship. That was
0: it. So um, if I'm an inspiring entrepreneur. Um or somebody that just got in the game and I'm operating my business out of my house and I maybe I went as far as making the big business plan and all this sort of stuff um, you say relationships and I think okay how like where do I where do I start on building relationships sure well you, you,
1: you start by not selling explain that for me start too, the yeah. sales process uh-huh uh, you've screwed a chance at an authentic relationship. And it's authenticity that lasts. I mean, you can sell something to someone, uh, but you know to the point where you no longer have a relationship with them, mm-hmm. right? It's all about the sale. That's, that's the bulk of sales folks out there. They're out there driven by a quota. Their goal is to get you to buy something, even if it doesn't make sense for that quarter because you're trying to meet your number, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's bound for failure. The clients see through all this stuff. So they realize you're, Your you're just Your bullshit in it for meter the buck. goes
0: up, right? Yeah, yeah, you're in
1: it for the buck. Um, relationships is about authentic relationships. It's not saying bullshit on a relationship. It's mm-hmm. being authentic about wanting to be with someone. And, you know, the good news is uh, y- if it's about friendship, you filter out all the assholes in the beginning, right? Because you're only going to be friends with people that resonate.
0: Right? Yeah, but, but presser, I need money now. I need <laughs> sales now. Then
1: get money in, in, in a way. Oh, well, if you need money... You know, there's a thousand ways to make money, but if you're asking for success mm-hmm. in growing a company or growing your personal brand, um, and it's one of those two, right? It's either working for someone else or yourself, you know, um, then reputation is going to last for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Those people call back. Most of my business today is thanks to efforts I've done over the last several decades uh, with referrals and stuff like that from those folks saying, Hey, he doesn't. He doesn't bullshit you. If he says he can do it, he can do it, right? That that kind of reputation is is the most important thing you have. It's the thing that will outlast you. And unless you can scrub the internet clean of your background, um, you know, people will find out if you have a good or bad reputation.
0: I think that would be true even before the internet, right? Oh yeah, It just takes a few sure. calls. it, it was. It used to be more
1: relationship back then. You know, yeah. where you used to wine and dine, and um, there wasn't a lot of chances to digitally connect so you had to personally connect and i sort of miss those days right you know i never got to have those days (laughs) my dad
0: got to have those days all the time my mom and dad would go thanks for calling your dad now (laughs) (laughs) but i would always be like i was like you know that'd be cool when when i get in the business like getting to do this wine and dine stuff now the most even with my biggest clients is we go to lunch And if you drink, then, oh, you're an alcoholic.
2: (laughs) So true. Yeah,
0: so uh, maybe it'd be fun to kind of bring those back. It's like, oh, we should go to dinner. I wonder what somebody would say. I haven't even tried. I've just been too nervous on it. Yeah. Sometimes when I find something that people aren't doing and I do it, it turns out to work. Sometimes it fails. I'll try it. You want to go to dinner? Sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, so it's starting off with an authentic relationship. Um, The worst thing that happens is you have a friend. That's the
0: worst thing that happens. That's
1: the worst thing. You've you, you started out with something that has nothing with monetary value to it. Mm. You create trust and a friendship. And if there Oh, the worst s-
0: thing that happens is you're only friends <laughs> and there's no money? Ooh. Is that what you're even saying? That's worse. Uh,
1: <laughs> okay. No, it's, it, you know, a friendship builds trust. And as mm-hmm. long as you're a person of your word, then trust follows friendship, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and then from trust, then you're the go-to. Uh it just happens. You become the go-to, either asking you to find someone for them, which is okay, fine. Um, I'm not a fit for you, but I'll I'll help you find someone for you. It always comes back. You know, I, I'm a, um, I'm on this edge of uh, kumbaya-ness where you know karma is real, and doing good for just doing good mm-hmm. is the only way to do good. If you do it for some return it's not going to come back, you know, it's selfless sharing It's selfless
0: friendship gets something back. So, in a way, uh, karma, which I think is starting to be like accepted a bit more, I look at it as a little, a little differently now as I continue to study, um, different books instead of business mm-hmm. books into more, um, philosophy based stuff. Um, just dove into Buddhism last night and I'm like wow this is some crazy accurate stuff that's I just I, don't, I can't really talk about that because I just started but I digress karma seems just by the definition that I hear a lot like do good and then you'll get good in return just sounds selfish in its own right no well what you just stated though is doing good to get good mm-hmm. isn't the goal isn't that what most people it's, think of as karma or is I just a misperception well, karma here,
1: is about impact in your life and You know, good karma may look bad to someone Mm -hmm. because it's coming at you to solve a bigger problem than you have in the moment, right? So that's the that's the mystique of it. You may lose your job, but it's because karma was opening up an opportunity for you, but it Mm -hmm. doesn't feel like good karma. So it's um, I I just truly believe that you know this focus on just the 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 selfless part of it um, stuff happens. It just does, and I, it's the only way to prove it is look back in, you know, your life and say when I, you know, I did that and that was odd. Shortly after that, uh, something else came my way, and you know whether there's a cause and effect, that's obvious. Uh, the end result is as long as you're doing good, doesn't matter because the the effect's already there. I did something selfless. Wow, thanks. To myself for doing something other than for myself. Right. Other than
0: thanking myself, right? Yeah, you kind of get your own little burst of oxytocin yeah, when you do yeah, that kind of stuff.
1: Bingo. It's it's something about, uh, I think the body's built to do it that way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you do the opposite, then the, bo- the, the body's built to receive the opposite, right?
0: Yeah. I, I, so I actually um, had an interesting uh, experience with that on... Um, Saturday. So Ken reader was on the podcast on Friday. Great, great podcast. Oh, thank you. Yeah, he, uh, uh, his author, of be the good, which is very relevant to what we're talking about right now. And in it, he he was uh, not in the book, but when he was talking to me, um, he was just like, you know, just do good without expecting anything. Like go buy some flowers and give it to the cashier clerk, and you know they're dollar ninety nine or whatever, and. So I found myself in the grocery store and I was just and this was right after and I was just like, why not? I've never done anything like that. And so this was what was screwed up about it, is I looked at the flowers and I couldn't find a $1.99 one he was talking about. <laughs> the cheapest, the cheapest thing was $5.99. Uh-huh. And I was just like, I was sitting there just weighing the pros and cons. And I decided to do it, and it was a little weird. And I put it on the thing and I was like, okay, what are you gonna say? This lady, what just give it to her and see what happens. And she goes, Oh my God, really? I'm like, Yeah, I just hope it brightens your day. And she's like, And she started crying. And I was just like, Well, you're welcome. She's like, Yeah, that's just so nice. Like, she wasn't sobbing, you know, tears are coming, everything like that. And then the other uh, women in the checkout line are like, Oh my God, that's so sweet. And I was just like, Okay, yeah, happy day. And I kind like <laughs> <that out> of like that at But I felt really, really good about it. Sure. And then I look back at that, like, Wow, I was really uh, contemplating not doing that for $5.99. And the
1: feel good is worth a
0: hell of a lot more. Yeah, it's probably be worth fifty nine dollars, yeah. maybe even more. I was putting that monetary stamp on stuff. It was, I was, I, was just kind of upset, still am at myself on thinking sure. in that way. I was putting monetary mm-hmm. in front of oxytocin, and um, I have a, I have a ways to go. But anyway, that was a very successful thing. But can there five ninety nine? Um, okay, so I want to also jump into the article you published in Cascade Business News. Um, so. In it is mostly you're talking about uh, bringing up the industrial revolution and how we lost jobs to gain more. But you mentioned that robotics will create more jobs. You think? Yeah, I think so. So just like,
1: just like uh, cars created more jobs instead of uh, the horse industry, right? Which I think I highlighted in that article. Yeah, you did. Yeah. What uh, if it doesn't, though? What if it doesn't? Yeah. Then we have to come up with other methods. I mean, we're already going towards a. Um, uh, a whole industry a whole uh, society built upon uh, a reverse formula now it used to be <clears throat> you know a company wants to sell products to people that want to buy they hire those uh, out of that same pool of people uh, to work at the company and and they get paid and then the the uh, government makes money from mostly payroll and corporate right corporate taxes um, now we're getting to a model where well geez if robots continue to trend and don't create the uh, jobs that I'm hoping for, um, then it's, you know, we have to get to a, a base what are the income you're or hoping BMI of? or uh, gross no. mean
0: income. I'm sorry? I, I agree with you on the BMI, but what um, a lot of people, including myself, will think, like, I can see a few programming jobs being made, but will that really outweigh the amount of well there's well
1: imagine the industry so everyone focuses focuses just on robotics but if you pile any two of these trends together mm-hmm. there's whole new industries so we forget it is not about the robotics that's a tool but it's new industries that will be formed by the combining of that ability that we never had before yeah uh, in this kind of like mass production mode and, and, uh, for the last what two decades three mm-hmm. decades roughly um, and then we throw on top of that You know, 5G. Now we can do something that's uh, managing robots on the moon, possibly. Or, you know, mining, industrial mining without people on asteroids because we have all this communication capability mixed with, you know, the uh, robotics capability mixed with AI. Uh, Suddenly we're doing things we never imagined before. And that's where this value comes from is we have no concept where the technology is going to take us. There's whole new industries that didn't exist in uh, what 2000, and even in 2005. Uh, you know, the, the iPhone right. came out what in 2005, seven. seven somewhere around there, and we we never imagined what that was going to transform is What new industries would be created? To right, supply. the app industry itself. Yeah, right. So it's the same thing, and and it, the more of these layers. But when
0: but when the iPhone was coming out, you didn't have people saying like that's a thing that's going to destroy so many industries. It was more people were seeing the creation of it. Absolutely. Where with automation, the problem that people are having with it, um, and I am I'm, I'm by the way I'm going to talk by I'm going to be devil's advocate there. In I'll argue way. that the iPhone killed a lot of companies. Well, sure. I got. I mean, the cell phone itself killed uh the landline right well think about all the devices that it carries that we used to buy and carry
1: with us in our bag and we used to have bags to carry it all right right calculators, calculators yeah. you name it pens paper you know whatever all those items were day timers etc cetera, etc mm-hmm. a lot of those industries are you know a fraction of what they used to be yeah um you know pens to this day i i i can count the number of times a week i actually touch one and it's mainly to sign checks and i'll be gone soon yeah, why are you signing checks? You don't direct deposit. For oh, sure, team? we do direct deposits. Some checks because people refuse to accept things like that. So oh, really? I don't have any of those. Yeah, we have we have uh, things that we have to sign checks for because they won't take it any other way. I know. So you know those those industries all died, and we haven't calculated what you know that loss was from the iPhone. Mm-hmm. But you know every app that's added for nine dollars and ninety nine cents that replaced something that cost fifty thousand dollars before to implement. Uh, and you you take one micro share of an application versus buying the application. Each of those industries or companies are are you know phasing out, and something new is happening. Right. On massive scale.
0: Right. This is a this is a much larger scale. You're you're not talking about okay. Let's look at some calculators or pens that could be going out, or like paper, which is enough that you're you're disrupting basically the office supply business. Right. What we're talking about right now is disrupting everything. Mm-hmm. Right, like ever, like truck driving. Uh, there's, uh, I forget which European country is uh, now looking to use AI for judges, like. They can view it better, apparently. Absolutely. Um, Obviously, the surgeon one's been talked a lot. I mean, just looking at um, AI already and what it's been doing to uh, tax planners, Mm -hmm. like uh, the rise of TurboTax, and H&R Block is just like, okay, this human model doesn't really work. We need to be going towards a TurboTax method, otherwise, we're gonna be smoked. Um, And so, you can start seeing how that can be a bit of a concern, especially, I mean, the one that gets brought up a lot is like the trucking industry. So there's eight million truck drivers out there, and they make between like forty-five and one hundred and twenty thousand ah, dollars. and there's forty million
1: males, mostly males, um, that drive something for a living, not mm-hmm. just trucks. Right, forty million. So Forklifts, taxi,
0: Uber, name it. And by the way, Uber and <clears throat> Lyft, why are they partnering the lobby for uh, autonomous vehicles? It's not because they're looking out for all their human drivers. They're like, right. oh, we could find a way to not give them, to not cut them in. Sounds yeah. great. So you have all that, and you can you kind of see where the other viewpoint comes on here, right? Like, well, what if it doesn't? And then the other, the other thing that gets a little scary about this whole thing is when you have. Um, uh, did you watch Musk on Joe Rogan, uh, Elon mm, Musk? I don't recall. So there's a snippet of him. Um, the whole conversation is like four hours. But uh, you can find online that the whole thing's pretty uh, fascinating. He is a pretty socially awkward guy, but boy is he intelligent. Um, I don't agree with his business practices, By digress. He, there's a 25 minute clip about him and AI, and basically he was going around um, for years uh, lobbying to Congress and businesses, governors, presidents, met with Obama, all telling them like, Slow down. Slow this down. Yeah, and nobody listened to him nor is. And Trump just signed um, something basically progressing AI. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't really fault Trump or businesses too much at it because across the bigger pond of the Pacific, you know, China is not letting up, and either is Russia. So it's basically like who can get this power well, they, first?
1: They built a city for AI, right? I didn't know that. Yeah, there's a there's a complex where they've hired, uh, God, what was the number? Ten thousand PhDs. less I heard, it's probably a lot more than that. Now China, we're talking yeah, Russia. Russia, uh, China, China, and have designated you know an area within a city as the AI, you know, uh, city, mm-hmm. and they plan to dominate, and they will. I mean, they are uh, on a on a map to far exceed us um, on AI. Yeah. You know, they are, they're the first that did quantum communication link uh, for security between a satellite and the Earth. They, they uh, are not wasting any time, and we are. We're wasting a lot of time right now. And we're right. not funding federally like we should be, uh, like we used to, uh, to propel just raw research in that kind of category. We need to up that pretty dramatically.
0: So in order to compete with China, and so here's the thing. I agree with you. But this is what Musk is warning about. Oh, sure. He's just like, you're, once you let it out of the box, once you let the genie out of the bottle, it's too it's already late. Out. It's
1: already out. Well, you could That's argue that problem. with,
0: uh, yeah, you can actually, I've heard people, futurists, or like people in AI in this field talk a bit about the argument that it is already out and its corporations and there's algorithms within corporate, like current corporations today, and the algorithms that are built in them, basically humans are in them as like holding positions, but they're made to make money. And that's what the algorithm does. And so the algorithm has these huge corporations, like we just need to make quarterly profits and that's what it does. And in the case, a lot of them destroy the earth or get people killed via pharmaceuticals or whatever. Sure.
1: Is. Yeah, it, it, I, I totally agree with not only him, it was Bill Gates and uh, people like uh, Stephen Hawking,
2: mm-hmm. the rest of these, the soul, yeah.
1: um, that were saying, hey, this is going way too fast. I tend to be the optimist on this, is that, you know, sure, there will be massive disruption. You know, going back to the car,
0: yeah,
1: uh, when it went from 8,000 cars to 20 million over a period of just a, a decade, and the same thing uh, a little over a decade. And, and the horses had the opposite. You know, there were 20 million horses, and it was you couldn't find one on the streets of New York after 1920. It right. was really hard to find a horse. so. Uh, and that was massively disruptive. I mean, all the industries that failed, uh, you know, just, just like we're seeing JCPenney's thanks to uh, e-commerce, uh, all these Sears, kind of stores like us, that, yeah. yeah, they're all failing because they haven't changed a model. Or their models are totally outmoded and there's no way to save them. And that's the other big thing is corporations are so invested in their models, even when everything's pointing to death, <laughs>
2: Yeah,
0: it's Kodak funny. on the Digital, it's, right? uh, blockbusters meeting, and there's a board meeting, and the minutes are written down talking about Netflix, and the guys on the board, based on the model that you're talking about, said they 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 made they woven this story together, and they all believe and they all universally agreed to basically not do nothing about it because they said people enjoy seeing their neighbor and going to <laughs> blockbuster and feeling it. Sure. And, and they want that experience, so we're fine. I'm like yeah or i can lay in bed naked and hit play <laughs> like, there's a bit of a difference there absolutely um and when it came to ease so you have these models
1: so let me get back to the triangle though so you know the old methodology uh i work for you you pay me then i go buy products some of the, of which might be yours and the government makes money yeah right uh i forget what percentage of our gdp but the, the vast majority of our gdp is uh, consumer spending, right? Mm-hmm. So now robots are coming in. Uh, Foxconn, in I think it's Illinois, wherever they are putting up this massive complex, they're talking about investing billions and they're going to create 11,000 jobs. And they came back, well, after they got all the tax breaks, obviously, um, it's not going to be 11,000 jobs, it's going to be a lot of robots. Oh really? How many people? So they're now they're talking about hundreds. You know, maybe a thousand technicians, etc. Mm-hmm. So you're right. As a, you know, if we look at manufacturing, what robots are going to do, it's already happening. We see sure. it. Look at the warehouses, what Amazon's doing with robots. Uh, it's happening. You know, we're going to get to the point where there isn't a human in there picking anything, putting it in a
0: box. So. Uh, those industries are, as easy you to mentioned, see. a lot of that's also happening when it comes sure. to,
1: and then there will be fights just like in uh, autonomous vehicles. There will be a massive reaction that will fight this, and it's inevitable. So, they will be able to postpone it like they have on any kind of disruptive technology like this. They'll be able to postpone it for a while until eventually unions or whoever's trying to protect those jobs uh, are are faced with the hard reality. They just can't
0: do it anymore. Kind of like taxis battle right. Uber.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, what we have to look at is the societal change of having to change how money goes to state, how people live, how they buy the things or acquire the things. Let's get rid of the word buy. Acquired of the things that they need to keep their standard of living. And so the model is going to reverse. Instead of, you know, companies are going to Pay the government taxes based on maybe we tax the robots, which is part of the uh, things that's going on. Else. Robot tax. Well, one robot replaces four humans, so we tax it four times what we would have charged uh, a person, right? You get that payroll tax. And then the in. government then pays people to consume, right? Right. Yeah. It all sounds like negative, but
0: oh, it's socialism.
1: Here's here's what I here's the optimist uh, in me that frees up people to do things that right now you know AI and robotics aren't the best at yet, and that's creativity. We're gonna open the doors for those people who have been stymied with eight-hour grunge days, working at the same place, and coming home and feeling exhausted to do something creative. The worst case is they sit on their ass and they play video games. Best case is they realize they're free to go do something that really calls to them. Art, science, research, whatever it is. Create objects, create companies. On and on and on. And so my hope is um, that a large part of the population rises to the challenge and yes, takes that seventy thousand or eighty thousand, hundred thousand they get from the government and does something with it, besides, you know, spending it on objects to put in their homes. So that's and then you know, it's this layering though. It's the layering of everyone focuses on one technology.
0: Does that bug you, though, what you're saying? I mean, because you're, uh, you've made all your successes in a capitalist economy, right? All your monetary successes.
1: I, I don't think there's any. Uh, it, I think it will free millions to do capitalistic things.
0: Is it took you? Creative
1: things, capitalistic right. things. It, creativity, to me, is, you know, in, in my form, uh, is business. That's my creative outlet. Mm-hmm. For others, it might be art or something else.
0: No, I'm, I, I understand. I, I, I'm fully with you. But i was just wondering, like, when you when did you start thinking this way? Because it, it seems that you go from, <clears throat> and this is actually, I'm not going to play devil's Ab- 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 game anymore. This is the way I've gone to thinking, too. I'm like, there is no slowing this thing down. There isn't. Yeah. So how are we going to get the government and our society ready for it to flourish? You know, We could either be like um, the Terminator one day or like Star Trek. It's really up to us on how we end up adopting mm-hmm, this thing. Mm-hmm. So when did you start thinking in this way of uh, bring it on, let's do it, let's do it in this way, and it'll be great, as opposed to, we have to learn how to see the other viewpoint, which the majority I think is on, which is we have to stop this at all costs, which I think is futile.
1: I have to say that uh, you know, I was involved in uh, at the Advanced Technology Center at you know, decades ago, and you know, they were doing research Uh, neural network programming, on and on and on, Mm -hmm. very early on, and it was nascent. Uh, So they had the uh, understanding, but they didn't have the processing power or the bandwidth to put that out into the world. That was the biggest limit, is you had to do it on these massive systems, but getting it piped to someplace to have any good was, uh, you know, the cloud wasn't uh, really there at that time. You know, it was pretty... Early on, where we had to do the phone connect to make an internet connection, so um, the technology didn't get uh, the the technology wasn't there to really make AI happen. So it's been a long uh, cycle until all the other technologies could catch up. Okay, right? Bandwidth technologies on and on, processing power, memory, storage, on and on. So just that's like today. So if you look at what we have we have ai robotics we've got 3d printing all these different things um, that are trends if you look at each one individually you know you can see the narrow impact like robotics will replace manufacturing folks Mm -hmm. right Um, ai will replace uh, white collar analysts sitting at desks collecting information and processing data you know all these kind of things but if you layer ai with robotics with communication with power, where we can have uh, serious power thrown up pretty quickly in remote locations. I mean, it opens up a phenomenal amount of ideas about what we can put in the middle of Botswana, Mm -hmm. right? Um, At price points that constantly are dropping exponentially, right, power is dropping exponentially, everything is, right, cloud costs. So I see this uh, opportunity, and putting a, a device that is Star Trek, the communicator, in the hands of over 5 billion people now. Right. We're
0: projecting within a, a decade or so that 7 billion will have one. That yeah, there's like uh, African towns that have smartphones that don't have running water. Yeah, electricity yeah they're still carrying they water panels. from the river, yeah. yeah.
1: So it's that kind of leap. Um, in the article, uh, I talked about the impact that most of us don't even think about. And this isn't my original idea. Uh, I follow a, a guy named Peter Diamandis at Singularity University. And he's actually involved with Elon Musk, with SpaceX, and a few other things. He's a, uh, one of the folks that I follow. And he talks about this and, and accessing genius. And, and so I went and did some research. Well, how many geniuses do they predict our inner the world? There's 30 to 40 million of them. Problem is, most of them are born in huts in northern India or Borneo. And so this brilliance. Imagine Einstein being born on an island in the Philippines with no power.
0: Yeah no, edu- yeah, no further education to push them.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, with the phone, connecting these folks and actually giving them enough stuff on the phone itself. Well, as long as they have the internet, I think it's. Right. Yeah. They can research, they can engage, they can socialize, they can promote their ideas like never before. So, we had this unintended consequence that makes me very pos- uh, optimistic that, geez, one man, Einstein. Mm hmm look what he did to change the world, positive and negative. His his discovery was neutral. It's our choice of what we do with it. And that's the same thing with robotics, with 3D printing, with uh, CRISPR and DNA. You know, It's our choice of what we do with it. That's the moral and ethic part that everyone's worried about. You know, who's going to build that into the robots, and who's going to cheat and not do it, right? Yeah. So that that's the pessimistic side is it's, it's not so much about are uh, uh, humankind uh, adapting to these technologies. It's adapting to the ethics and morals that go with these things to make sure that systems don't do things that we don't want them to do.
0: Well, if they're programmed to just like to make kill. money, or yeah, ki- I mean, but a byproduct of just making money could be
1: absolutely yeah, kill.
0: Death. I mean, it is already like pharmaceutical <clears throat> companies, they literally uh, budget in when they launch a new drug for the lawsuits, right? It's like a it's like a line item a PNL with marketing expenses like lawsuit expense. So like yeah, we'll probably kill like 3,000 people, and here's mm-hmm. the class action, and then we still make a huge profit. Sure. That that's true. So and that's because it's designed to make money. Until
1: a machine shows up, which by the way, all the elements are getting close to this. A machine that shows up that says it's your personal doctor machine that sits in your home, that knows your DNA, mm-hmm. and pinpricks to find out what's going on like me right now with allergies and it does all the diagnoses and comes up and spits out a pill for me right and what the charge is is no longer on the pill it's the machine Mm -hmm. that makes it and then you add the base ingredients and outcomes whatever you need so it's i I can see a future uh where this technology as it leaps forward and leaps forward leaps forward uh these industries like pharmaceuticals Will be caught off guard when systems can process solutions that are tailor made to a human, so that it doesn't kill me.
0: (laughs) Don't you think? I mean, with the so, from our conversation, it seems like UBI, Universal Basic Income. Mm -hmm. Do you do you see it as being like really one of the only answers with all? I
1: I don't know how else to get uh, to get around it. The, you know, everyone's freaked out about socialism socialism except it's democratic socialism uh-huh. and we already have socialism most people don't see our tax basis as socialism which we build roads for everyone not just for you know tom dick and harry so right uh it's this uh this idea of getting paid f- for doing nothing well no actually there's a purpose you need to buy things because if robots replace everyone then and no one's there to buy and then you know everything crashes so sure The incentive for a consumerist economy like us is to pay people to buy things. Uh, Hopefully it means pay people to do things. I want to twist this. Do things that are out of the bounds of technology. Thinking new thoughts. Writing new uh, books. Hopefully lots of science fiction writers because almost everything comes out of science fiction. It's all been, you know... Uh, written about before. Uh, open up the imagination to human capability of imagining us uh, expanding beyond the galaxy. And what does that take? An Elon Musk, a, a Bezos, a Branson, all these folks that are leaping off the earth without governments for altruistic reasons. I mean, there's not a profit to
0: be made for a long time with no. any of those endeavors. But how are you going to get? How, how can people end up seeing that in the same way? Like how do you get an entire country to move behind this idea when they fight socialism so much, all of a sudden be like, hey, yeah, we need to do universal basic income in order to survive. And then the main argument back is like, well, let's just destroy the machines. Well,
1: that, that's the, again, I, I'm trying to be optimistic. I think our partisan politics, the way our, our democracy is defined now, um, means other countries... Are going to surpass in this change um, because they can, they're willing to make change mm-hmm. rapidly. There isn't the there isn't partisanship uh, for my uh, my little neighborhood. It's uh, joining together for the greater purpose of a country or the planet, hopefully the planet. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I don't know the U.S. the way it's designed and and how the population is divided. I, I we could be screwed. And so it means it's going to that's, happen that, anyway is whether what chaos happens in the meantime. Yeah, you know, it's
0: like if we're all speaking Chinese in like 40 years. Or
1: we all say no to autonomous trucks and suddenly everyone else in the world is except us. Mm-hmm. And so they have better economies of scale so they get the e-commerce. You know, it's all these factors that are coming to play. They're going to force this one way or another because someone's going to adopt it. Right. China already sees this problem. They already know that when Foxconn talks about replacing that one weekend, they replaced 23,000 people with robots over a weekend, mm-hmm. right? And they, you know, they had a staff of 300 to maintain it. That is the trend. And so they realized that social unrest for them um, is their biggest threat, which is as factories go to automation for profit and for quality and everything else, 24-7 Especially seven manufacturing,
0: because that's the majority of their freaking <clears throat> economy. It's yeah. like stuff that says made in China that we have So here. what
1: are they going to do with, you know, millions of, uh, you know, you know millions of people without any job you pay them to make sure they don't go into a revolution right or you find something else something else for them to do that might be more altruistic for the state I don't know what that is right go back to school uh, you know graduate go into our research centers and think out the new technologies ahead of everyone else in the world that is already happening mm-hmm. right so That's you know that to me is you know education still is uh, the route for humanity to stay above the curve, and then learning how to, as a society and as a planetary society, uh, figure out how to put a common rule book in place for these technologies like DNA. That guy that China arrested because he experimented on a baby embryo, Mm -hmm. you know, with with CRISPR and gene splitting, and so.
0: you know we've got we've got to elevate the game on coming up with a common rule set you know it's also fascinating like uh, how the mind can start thinking differently and uh, perhaps we could cultivate other geniuses like you're saying is um ai by working with it the ones that exist today and as they continue to evolve evolve uh, can help us learn how to think differently so um, Google's uh, AlphaGo mm-hmm. that beat um, the world grandmaster yeah. mm-hmm. uh, in 2016, I believe. Uh, he ended up beating him four games to one. Uh, by he, I mean the AlphaGo beat the man four to one. And the uh, first three, um, he was doing, s- uh, I keep on saying, it was doing stuff. I don't know how he self identifies, or it self identifies. The machine was doing things that Uh, Lee, the Alpha Go Master, had never seen before. Uh, Completely uh, ridiculous stuff. So basically the whole concept of Go is, which is a game that's been around, it's the oldest board game that's still been continuously played for 2,500 years. And you basically, it's a game of kind of war. just Mm -hmm. territory and you have all these uh, pieces and you basically try to conquer as much territory as possible. And there's a lot of strategies of just like uh, flanking and dividing in and it's a pretty fascinating game. But it's also one of the most complex games known, arguably the most complex game known. And um, simplest
1: to learn to start, and the hardest to master.
0: Right. And yep. so, actually, what Google did is they had AlphaGo play itself for uh, some time, and it learned all these different things. And so when it went up against a human, it was basically doing these moves that seemed uh, amateur. Yeah. yeah. So it would be flanking sides or it would be putting things against the wall that would just kill it. But then it opened up this whole new thing and then the machine would take over. So as this was going on, Lee uh, was just like, oh, my gosh, I've never even thought of it this way. And then on game four, he beat the uh, Alpha Go because he used its methods against him and it basically drove a wedge into the middle of like this huge defense, it's like, why would you do that? And everybody looked at it like, that's stupid, they're just all gonna die. But it opened up to victory and it made the uh, AI uh, make some amateur moves after that and Lee won. And then the game after that, uh, (laughs) AlphaGo learned what Lee did and destroyed him, Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, there's a couple of interesting facts about Go. Uh, one is there are more moves than there are atoms in the universe.
0: Really? Yeah. What? So <laughs> really, in I never heard checkers. That. You know, yeah. you can learn,
1: uh, and a system can learn through just rote, mm-hmm. you know, memorization of all the possible moves, and then choosing the best of those possible. Moves. And then chess? chess a bit up. Chess is a further up, mm-hmm. but it's still a calcul- uh, within a range of calculable. Outcomes of like two hundred million or something like that, and then you talk about Go, and there are so many zeros that follow it; it's impossible. So, what when you talk to Go masters like Lee and others who play the game, it's intuition.
0: Mm-hmm. And so when you know, the, but the, the intuition, the, the argument is that uh, you have an intuition of feeling on how things are going after you play it so many times, and you just kind of have an, an idea, and you kind of see it. But in order to actually compute up to 50 moves ahead, which is what AlphaGo is at least doing at that point, like perfectly. Uh, as far as minds that we have today, it seems to exceed them unless sure. there's a baby in um, uh, Africa, that's a genius. So
1: Lee said in that uh, uh, interview about his experience with AlphaGo was that you know he, he, is, uh, he f- felt like he was playing God Playing against God. Oh, playing and against that God. Okay. His moves, Lee's moves, mm-hmm. must feel like an ant's moves. You know, kind of feeling with God. It's mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, the the ability for AI to build its own algorithms. By the way, it built its own algorithms to the point where the Google researchers uh, couldn't figure out exactly how it's playing because it's billions of calculations that go into the algorithm. So it's literally would take us. Hundreds if not thousands of years to go and
0: analyze one game. Yeah, you can see how Musk is like you're letting the genie out of the bottle.
1: Right. On the other hand, that means that this we've you know we've created something that's smarter than us. And isn't that the goal of parents? Is to create kids that are smarter than us anyway? So we have created something substantially smarter to the point where uh, what we have to instill now in all of the you know embedded chips in these. AI systems is a sense of morality and ethics, in that even though at some point uh, it would look at us like ants mm-hmm. uh, in what we do, it looks like it has some intelligence. But you know, if I step on one, what you know, it doesn't change the universe, right? Yeah. That somehow we have to keep that embedded.
0: That uh, remember to you know respect your masters.
2: <laughs> well, I learned even like, when
1: you're smarter than your masters.
0: Yeah. After studying how those games mm-hmm. went off go, I saw a um, a uh, some good from AI when, when there's nothing but bad press. I'm like, it can all of a sudden teach us a different way of thinking. As sure. this guy who's been playing all his life, all of a sudden tried different things that he never did before or even thought of because they just seemed foolish. But it opened mm-hmm. up different stuff and he ended up beating God in that third game that must have felt sure. pretty awesome and then get destroyed the next because he learned what he did and that was the end of that.
1: And then Google, with um, Google Translate, mm-hmm. uh, is an example of you know, uh, an, an intelligence doing something extremely good uh which the researchers didn't understand until they saw some patterns that was like wow what's going on and i think they brought out some brought in some outside folks maybe from a- MIT. Or, uh, i can't remember the story exactly and they mapped out what it was doing and essentially it, it came up with its own met- meta language that it was able to translate any language to any language really so uh so that's awesome so mm-hmm. it can now ad- adapt a new language extremely quickly mm-hmm. um and start learning very, very quickly based on this meta language it created. Yet, if you ask, you know, anyone how it did it, we have, we have no, we can't follow all the decision uh, decisions it made along the way. It's billions of them. So, it created it on its own for greater
0: good. Sure. And then you have, uh, but then you can understand just from our conversation here over the past two minutes of the, the so many algorithms and moves and calculations that the programmers didn't even know what was going on. And have embedded bias. Right. Of course, because how could you not? You have some sort, even when you say you have to put in morality, well, morality changes amongst different cultures, right? There's an underlying human constitution of doing good, but people skew that for different ways. People justify to themselves why it's good for the end goal to be money. Sure, it's good for me versus this is good for everyone. <laughs> exactly. But if they justify to themselves that it is correct and if they truly believe that, they're going to code it in there. And they might think they are completely good and just most sure. of the time they always do. Most people think in all their decisions they are correct, right? Mm-hmm. It's just one flaw and brilliant thing about humans. So you kind of understand through our conversation here that if you, when Musk is saying, with, you got to watch it, the look on his face is uh, one of sincere... Um, concern as he's talking about this, as he was trying to lobby, uh, talking about the genie coming out of the bottle. And he started to mention like, you know, these calculations, it's, it's, it's far, like these algorithm changes, like we're talking about. Um, if left unchecked, could end up doing, could just basically end up hitting the singularity. And we're not even quite sure what that can end up being. But if it ends up being bad, it'll be way too late. Way too late because there's nobody regulating it. And he brought up the example of seat belts. So um, when cars first started coming out and people were dying all the time, uh, it took 10 years for the government to approve seat belts. You had the auto lobbyists all uh, pushing against it, pushing against, saying it's safe, and then finally it came together after all this stuff and uh, they they put in seatbelts and saved tons of lives. And I think everybody could agree that seat belts was a good idea. That took 10 years after it was already a problem. Mm-hmm. So now, once AI is already a problem, it's like that's when it's too late. You're making all these calculations that we're talking about where you can't even follow it and it's 10 years late. yeah, good luck.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And you know, another thing to look at, although talk about controversy, uh, let's look at a technology like even guns that have been around for a long time.
0: Going down to Gun Road. Yeah, let's go down to Gun but Road. It was
1: it was mainly in the venue of uh, there was a purpose to the gun, uh, uh, either for survival, you know, mm-hmm. catching your food, uh, or gathering together uh, as an army to protect yourself against some foreign, you know, group. When uh, guns became recreational, you know, and uh, purpose started disappearing, going hunting for deer that you actually ate, mm-hmm. right. Uh, just like fishing and actually eating the fish, kind of thing. Now it's recreation. So the connections that validated the purpose. Well, people
0: still hunt, need to do <clears throat> some people. Fish. do. Yeah, a the lot vast of majority don't. <laughs> well, when you so talk the, about recreation, you're saying um, just people going to shooting practice or hunting for the sake of hunting versus hunting
1: for a meal. That's my point. You know, my my dad's side of the family is from the Ozarks, where I was down there, and what they went and hunted, we were eating. Right, right, kind of thing afterwards. So. Um, it's that disconnection of purpose. Suddenly, uh, guns uh, lose uh, their moral grounding. You know, as an object, right now it's suddenly, well, what are guns for,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Kind of thing. So well,
2: you have the
0: argument of protection, yeah, from your family, and, and, and then you have the argument of most people end up shooting each other in a house with a gun,
1: right? And so you know, the moral grounding of things, the ethical things. The purpose, the societal purpose. Why do we put seatbelts in? Why do I care whether you kill, get killed or not? It's, well, it's because, uh, you know, in, in statistics, there's kids in that car we, we do care about, right? They mm-hmm. have a future that would impact our society. It's all these other things that started hitting because there was a big pushback against seatbelts. Oh, yeah. You know, you're trying to control me inside my car, right? Um, it's the same thing until people realize, oh, the society benefit, insurance, the cost of it, you know. you know the lost productivity of people who don't exist anymore all these things came in Mm -hmm. uh, to support it so and I think the same thing will happen right now it's like we're gonna have societal impact and we're gonna have people extremely upset and people starving because they can't make a living for a while and the government will not be uh, capable of reacting fast enough to cover to put a net over these folks that robotics and AI and everything else is replacing until we figure out what do
0: we have people do now? Well, well, that's the question, right? What do you have people do when you give them universal basic income uh, and you'll have, uh, when it comes to the way my mind works, which I think is kind of similar to yours, uh, I can take a vacation for a certain amount of time, but then I start getting antsy. Yeah, I so want to build so something. Golf. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I always want to be like contributing. And so if I were just sitting at my house watching Netflix, or even just, I love mountain biking, but if I was just mountain biking every single day and it wasn't contributing to helping other people, Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't feel fulfilled, and I would probably get pretty depressed even though I was doing what I loved.
1: And that's where I think we can be creative with how the government interacts with those people. That money comes with some kind of objective.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Choose a path. You know, Here's public service as a path, and you can choose any of these thousand different public service things that you can do for the greater good for that money. Here, here's a create, you know creativity, you know, have an output with creative uh, assets coming out, whatever that means. Uh, research, you know, um, all these different categories that we could actually incent people to say, well, if you go to uh, a university to, to get an advanced degree in something, well then, you know, we'll give you an extra 20,000 or an extra 30,000 to
0: cover those costs to pivot a little bit um you were mentioning uh, putting in ethics and morals within to the machines and whatnot but not even talking about just the, the laws machines. of robotics yeah <laughs> but, but but pivoting from the robots a little bit um do you have any core philosophies that you basically operate off of
1: sure but i have a convoluted uh, sense of uh philosophy so you know they're they're Chosen by a variety of different things, uh, you know, uh, my life path, my business path, my faith path, you know, mm-hmm. all those things intertwined to come up with my own unique set, right? Um, so mine's what's Preston's unique set? Uh, it, it, it's it all boils down to doing the right thing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's a people use it all the time. And the question is, do they follow it? You know, it's like do the right thing. Um, Think beyond yourself. Um, You know, uh, do it or or get out of the way. Mm -hmm. So once you decide to do something, you know, uh, Yoda, do or do not get, you know, there is no trike. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love Leia Iacocca, you know, lead, follow or get out of the way.
0: Mm -hmm. So um, what about for those people that would ask, well, what is the right thing?
1: Well, you got to come up to your own framework. I tend to be—is it a libertarian? But, but basically, is um, uh, no one can tell me how to think. I have to get there with you. So telling someone to do these are what are right mm-hmm. things, and some things we all agree on. You know, don't steal, don't cheat—all the kind of basics. But sure. then right gets to a very esoteric level of you know right in what circumstance you know. Uh, right in my life, right in whatever. And I, I have a hard time t- dictating to others how they should live a right life. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it doesn't resonate in, in, in the society you're in, then you, chances are you're probably not doing, quote, the right thing. And in some cases, it needs to be a disruptive. Like, um, example is, you know, everyone says, well, geez, you know, our city, you know, it we don't need outside thought you know society itself within our little town can come up with what's right and wrong well that's how the south felt back in the 40s and 50s sure it took an outside force saying hey you're wrong right and even though you're the vast majority we're going to shake it up and tell you it's you know the universe knows this is wrong there's certain things the universe uh, just compels people to realize is wrong
0: um, how do you how do you deal on a daily or weekly basis when um, going into business or personal life? Uh, somebody that um, is basically portraying uh, arrogance and, um, and they're looking out for themselves and it's just very, very obvious as to what the motivations are. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you deal with that? Well, it depends on the circumstance. If it's, you know, they won't gravitate to being friends
1: of mine. Sure. <laughs> so you know, on on, to me the most important thing is, uh, I can I, there's billions of people I can select who, um, I look up to, who I mentor, you know, on and on, and who I work with, mm-hmm. and who I do business for, um, and so you know our company has its own rule about no assholes. We don't, you know, we want folks that playwright you know, do right, uh, because it could affect the outcome of the project. Sure. Right? I mean, so we always are looking at, uh, you know, are these the kind of folks that we would like to play in a sandbox with? And we have a choice, thank goodness, you know.
0: How do you, how do you um, detect the assholes in your interview process? Well, it's, you
1: said some of those things. <clears throat> do they listen?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, are they focused on themselves? You know, I, me, me, I uh, kind of discussion. Uh, versus we team, mm-hmm. you know, outcome, what their customers need, you know, if that's the discussion, then those are indicators that this might go right, you know. But we're always uh, vetting out, um, you know, who we play with, partners that we play with, you know, if they're just chasing the dollar, that's probably not a partner that we normally are going to no. work with, play with. We want to play with someone who's who's
0: got something beyond that in their playbook. So, so I guess then. <clears throat> You have to you've made some bad hires oh sure yeah so have i um how I do you deal, how do you deal with one of the people that i was just kind of talking about that that person who's not the fit for the business um but they're they're in they're in now you know
1: this is look, everyone asks this question and it's there's probably ten thousand ways of looking at
0: it depending on the circumstance mm-hmm. you know if, Uh, Does your right compass gravitate? Because there's the argument towards firing them right away, and there's the argument towards fire slow, fire fast. Yeah. Um,
1: If they're not a fit, the sooner you get rid of it, the less impact that they have on on the corporation and the people and Mm -hmm. everything. Um, But in some cases, they're super critical, and you're weighing. Oh, geez, you know, to replace this person uh, is so disruptive; it could get us off rails. And yet, you know, that allows me to accept these behaviors that I don't want. You know, that mental math that you're doing, it's hard for anyone on the outside to really judge what's right in that moment. Sure. Typically, you'd want to start either figuring out a way that this person can change, which Mm -hmm. is typically not, and then an exit plan for them. So it ends up positive for both, right?
0: Um, And then specific to Ben, since we're talking about hiring, a question just kind of popped up in my head is... um, we've talked about this and I'd like to get your two cents cause I think the last time we talked about this was probably a year ago and it's um, uh band was a place of uh, companies that really looked out for each other. I still kind of see it like that, but I do see uh, where you're coming from when there is some more sniping of talent from one another, uh, sniping of clients from one another is something that uh, I've dealt with from time to time. Um, Where I actually used to not. Um, Do you see a way of writing that, or is it just a thing that happens when a town gets bigger? I
1: I believe that there is a way uh, to build culture.
0: uh, For a city or a town, it doesn't matter whether it's a city or a a business, whether
1: it's a city or a business or nonprofit or whatever it is. I think it's the same formula, and that's the hard part is. remembering that culture is not static, mm-hmm. right? And that's hard for people. People who move, you know, were born here have an idea of what culture is. Right. People who moved here 30 years ago, 20 years, 10,
0: 5. Well, people each, don't like change, right? Right, Yeah. so yeah. they all
1: have their own perception. And actually, most of the people who are railing against that I talk to about growth in town uh-huh. are the ones who've moved here most recently in the last three years, that four are, years. That are against it? That are against growth. Uh-huh. Because they're trying to freeze what they think bend is. And yeah, you just it. can't do that. You no. can't freeze anything. You, you, it's you like freezing. And you AI. die. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, uh, so everyone says, "Oh, the culture is bad." It says, "Well, you know, culture is constantly evolving. Uh-huh. Are you participating in its in its evolution or not? Are you static, sitting in a house, complaining?" And so, to me, culture is about activism. Getting involved in the culture creates the culture and mm-hmm. is always evolving. Um, and you know, and you're the poster child for that. Got it. You're I would hope that I'm in that, so I'm in that group of folks that are doing that Yeah, absolutely are um,
0: and I think a lot of people end up looking up to you in that way and uh, more people need to be doing that including myself I get involved in the public a little bit but compared to you uh, I'm not even a blip on the radar so I think we can I can learn from that and like hey I don't I'm not somebody that has a Ben sucks don't move here bumper sticker and I won't be um, the town's growing and I think that's great for multiple reasons um what I would like to see, with my you know old man hat on, like oh, we need to stay like this. Is I I, I do appreciate uh, the business culture that is still here, but I just sense it changing. Changing. Well, and that's the same thing, you know. Um, up till about five, six. And that's years just a culture ago. of do like not don't don't screw other companies. Like you right, know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Because they're people. They're not just companies. Like people are behind that. So. The idea is to part, on, uh,
1: what, hundreds of some odd thousand folks we have today um, the sense of uh, unified culture and that, you know, it's still, no matter what size we get to, it's too small to do something bad
2: mm-hmm.
1: in town and think you can get away with it. You know, when the town was 50,000 when I first moved in, um, most people who moved in, moved in with a purpose, lifestyle, and then they either brought it built it, right, or worked remotely. One of those three options were the only options in Bend. Sure. Um, there were very few jobs to take. You created them, basically. Right. And that entrepreneurial spirit is what... Or you could be a realtor. Or you could be a realtor. <laughs> and, and that entrepreneurial spirit is what really resonated uh, for a long time until about five, six years ago when people actually could move here for a job. And that changed attitude to some extent of, well, you know, right. uh, what's the ecosystem like? You know, uh, can I get another job? Where most people moved here, and said, "Okay, I'm moving there because the lifestyle," and now I got to figure out how to make a living. Right. Right. So uh, we're still we have that massive halo of that entrepreneurial spirit of build it, you know, bring it, etc. Uh, and we're still imparting that kind of enthusiasm and, and thought process to the rest. And by the way, don't build it on the bodies of your neighbors build it on the shoulders of you know work with them don't compete with them and and um even if you have a competitive product the idea is you know think bigger than your neighbor Mm -hmm. you know think bigger than the town think about where you're going to grow to and that we want to bring in lots of talent to grow all of us in all boats lift right so um and i think we still have it the hard part and i keep you know harping on this is uh, find ways to tell those folks that are following you uh, what the hope is for culture and then show it by doing it you know Mm -hmm. wave someone through a circle pick up trash you help the lady across the street Uh, what I do a lot is someone calls me and I don't have a job I call I don't let them just hey sorry no I I call around and I see if I can find someone Mm -hmm. to listen to that person because we want those
0: folks coming in um yeah where does uh the where where does somebody start on getting involved to the degree you do i'm sure you know plenty of areas i can use some help when it comes to whether opportunity sure. knocks or the list goes on and on with you but
1: well there's more uh nonprofits in this town if you want to start there yeah then uh, you can shake a stick at it. at last count it's over a thousand or something like that mm-hmm. in in bend metro area so there's you know named a category of anything that you have an inkling for whether it's the outdoors, dozens of them right, mm-hmm. nature conservancy all the way down, and then if it's um, if it's about kids, you know we have tons of places that kids are desperate for you know mentorship or help or money or whatever, and and then if it's really you know not your gig to do nonprofits that's fine then you know there's plenty of businesses that need help, mm-hmm. mentoring advising, getting on the board, uh, finance, you know, whatever it might be. There's so many ways to give. Uh, I would say the way you find uh, the right one is to figure out what your own passion is. That's where you actually get to do the passion without burning it out. Right. Because, you know, uh, like uh, photography is a passion for a lot of folks, and it's the last thing they should do is create a a business around it because you're going to build a business you hate. Right. Right? And that translates back to your own love of photography is because it's not no longer about expression it's now about paying the bills right so you know um building something you love doing something you love uh outside of
0: your money making you know schemes um what do you see what would you like to see ben look like in by 2030 in 10 years uh multicultural uh
1: Let's break that down really quick. Multicultural, well, what well, way? You know, multicultural, uh, uh, a, a very diverse economic, uh, uh, socio-economic demographic. So, you know, we have uh, people like baristas living in town. This is my fear of growth, <clears throat> is that the city doesn't build. Uh, well, the citizens won't let the city build because the city's already there. Right. To build mixed-use kind of developments that allows. Uh, baristas to live in the same building as say, a middle class family has a whole floor mm-hmm. and then a penthouse suite that's at the top of a millionaire who's helping to pay the costs for those baristas to have a decent place to live at a price point they can afford. Instead of living and commuting from Redmond yeah. or Le yeah, so or So The last thing we want is to end up like an Aspen where only the wealthy live in town and everyone's commuting in and miserable.
0: Okay, so that's morally the right thing to do, but um, that's not where it's going.
1: Well, it is. I mean, we're getting, we're seeing the first mixed-use developments popping up. So the city is behind it, and as long as it meets the, Bend the rules, you know, product. citizens are still fighting every single piece of development. Right. You know, uh, not my backyard kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, the the high-rise that was supposed to be on the COCC campus on the corner in Valhalla neighborhood fought that. There is no reason to really fight that. Their fears. We're not justified. What were their fears? Well, it's just you know we're going to have this tall building with a lot of people that we don't know, uh, at uh, socioeconomic rates that we don't know, living next door to us. That you know the fear was there about who. It's not about the building. It's never about the building. It's about who's in the building. Why are you people know? afraid of other people? The campus. When we. Uh, oh, that was a
0: war and a half.
1: Oh yeah, it, it was the same uh, fear. Is mm. I don't know these folks. They're college kids. I hear they party their asses off, and my neighborhood's gonna be filled with these, and they're mm-hmm. gonna ruin the neighborhood. That never happened. We already had people that age living in those neighborhoods. They just mm-hmm. weren't going to college. Sure. So it's you know this fear is about people that don't act, talk, or look like us, right? Um, Which
0: in Bend is what
1: white. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 12% <laughs> of uh, Central Oregon is Hispanic. That's the mm-hmm. next biggest one, and then it's, it jumps down to like 0.5 and one percent for all the others. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's basically, you know, white and then Hispanic is a backup. And most of those Hispanics stay hidden in their own culture because they don't feel welcome, right? They, yeah. They're in fear. So, yeah, so I would hope for uh, a mixed-use development with the ability to, to allow people to stay regardless of their income levels That we find a way to make that housing work for them, so that they stay close to where they work, Mm -hmm. and we keep that culture. It's rich that way. Uh, The conversations I have with baristas tends to be about art and lifestyle, uh, than it is in in outdoors, than it is about business, right? Sure. And that enriches me. Um, So that's one hope too is that we can't make us diverse. We have to be attractive enough to be diverse, right?
0: We can't wait. Say that again.
1: We can't say, "Oh, we're going to make ourselves highly diverse." So you know, I attend a lot of these uh, inclusion and diversity kind of discussions, and Mm -hmm. and the bottom line, most of them is, you know, I feel like the meetings are bullshit because the reality is we have to be attractive to them to come in, and so you know, part of attraction is uh, getting rid of uh, this unconscious bias that we talk about. Mm Uh, We say things, we do things, we we write, uh, you know, job postings a certain way that doesn't appeal to them. And recognizing that not every ethnic group loves to ski as Mm -hmm. our visit band promotion, right, or to mountain bike. So we have to look at all these things. So I hope for a very diverse culture that's very rich, that has uh, a reach outside of the area, meaning traded sector companies that bring ideas in that are out, you know, so that we don't end up in like some isolated industry like lumber Mm -hmm. used to be, right, was very isolated, Um, that we have uh, an inbound and outbound culture mix of inbound and then we send our culture out and say, hey, we think we're doing some things right, you might want to learn from our
0: community, you know, how to be a ski town. Sure. Or how to do it without turning into an Aspen. Yeah. Right, if we can't do that Or City out. of Assholes. Yeah, that too, right? <laughs> um, so last question would be, if you uh, if you took your mind right now and dropped it into an, your 18-year-old self, what would you do? Wow.
1: Um, I would have pursued more creative ideas uh, I hate to use the words, because as I'm saying them, it sounds so corny. More creative, spiritual, and um, humanistic pursuits than I did. I, and yet, I, I love where I am. Right. But I, I feel that what if I've cheated myself of an experience, is spending more of my time doing the kind of stuff I'm doing now. I wish I would have been socially involved... Um, when you were At an much early, younger. early age, yeah. yeah. And I didn't really have a sense of community. I, I grew up overseas as an army brat moving every three months to three years roughly and so the idea of place was wherever I was, you know. Sure. And only until I moved to Bend did I have a real sense of place. Mm-hmm. Right? This is home. Feeling.
0: So you have like the this is home kind of feeling here and then you start getting involved and what so if that started happening here and now you're so passionate about it, like you're saying that if you dropped your brain into your 18 year old self that you'd be start getting involved uh, right away what what drives it what's what made that decision? Why did you choose that and not like, oh I would have uh, I would not be getting so upset about certain decisions I would have looked this way in business and because then that company would have been so much bigger but sure. instead you went towards like, this idea of community which doesn't really have that big monetary thing attached to it. No it's not about the money and that's you know
1: God I, I'm an entrepreneur and I you know I sure I would love to have uh, some more access so I can make up for all the losses but uh, at the same time though uh, you know when I'm in something and it's not about the money that's when it feels rich and alive pops me out of bed as soon as it just becomes a focus of making money that's not enough to keep my engine running. Maybe mm-hmm. for a short spurt or something, but sure. that day in, day out, wake up in the morning, and how do I feel? I want to. I want to do something that has nothing to do with money. I want to do something that's um, has an impact. You know, uh, right now, I, I the impact is I have a company that I hire families, and I'm taking care of families, not employees. Okay. And and so I see that as. Uh, part of my personal mission is, you know, growing a company for the families that, you know, work with us. Um, and it's definitely, you know, uh, family. What happens in the home affects work and vice versa. So
0: so are you talking about that for Five Talent? For Five Talent, yeah. Yeah, so... Um I, it, can you explain that really? Are, are you like interviewing the families, or are you just looking at each person as... No, it's that when we hire,
1: we feel a responsibility mm-hmm. that this is not an employee f- filling a job slot. This is a, a, a human with a family and lots of things happening outside of work. What if they and have a ton of the potential the, and they
0: don't have a family yet? Either way.
1: Yeah. Either way. It's, you know, whatever is driving, driving them to happiness outside, we need to not be a barrier to it inside our company right right so flex schedules and and if they a lot of what our folks want is to learn things which we push the new skill is you know uh, know, how fast can you adapt to uh, change it's really the skill that's going to make everyone succeed in the future and now so we encourage this kind of training at at the cost of the company a big cost of the company because it fulfills them and you know makes them a target for uh Amazon or Google to hire you know, away from us, but that's that's just the game we play.
0: Well, with these altruistic things you're talking about, they seem all um, fun and good. I mean, yeah, okay, let's like hire families and being involved in the communities. What gets me out of bed and it's not really chasing sure. about my dollar. By the way, I get it, kind of. I'm learning. What do you say to somebody, which is the majority of the population, who thinks that? their problems will go away and they'll be happy as soon as they are a millionaire. Yeah, uh,
1: all they have to do is go look at the Because you cuz you um, have
0: well yeah, but you've this is coming from somebody who has been there, you have made a ton of money, you are doing well now, but lost a
1: ton of money. You've
0: lost but but you've been there. Like you, you were talking you've telling me stories about the Porsche days and stuff like that. And that sort of fulfillment—that was when you're a lot younger—and I could just, i didn't know you then, but I have an, a pretty good feeling that you're a bit more fulfilled now than you were driving around in those Porsches.
1: Yeah, that was all empty. You know, that was what uh, society told me was the. So society of tells success. all of us, right?
0: Yeah. You have to impress these people you don't care about by buying things you don't right. really want. Or need.
1: Wear the right clothes, the right watch, drive the right car, have the right home in the right neighborhood. You know, <laughs> go to the right <laughs> have vacations. Have a home with five bedrooms, even
0: though you only use two.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Go to, join the right clubs. All that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. which I did early on. I had success early on. Sure. And I felt totally unfulfilled after doing it. It's like, oh, this is what it's all that, about? That's
0: what, people need. that's what people need to hear more. People don't get it. And it, like, when people see that Robin Williams kills himself, which is so sad, and all the Anthony Bourdain or Bourdain, how you pronounce his name, and all these celebrities that do, they're just like, oh, well, that was just like one thing. Like, do you think that there could be a consistent, like, that's not the answer? Like, this I, materialistic I is not is what a, brings you happiness?
1: Wealth is like a magnifying glass to your own quirkiness and idiosyncrasies and fears and doubts. And it's, it, it magnifies everything dramatically. Right. After you get uh, what you thought your goal was, so you know you look at the the statistics on lottery winners, it's shocking what happens to them.
0: What's the What's the overall? I've I've heard you, it. The believed. overall is
1: a very negative effect. Right. You know, even though they have hundreds of millions in in, in the bank, they no longer trust anyone now because everyone's after their money. Sure. Right. Or uh, they bought the house and they're depressed still and they're they're sitting in their living room with everything they can imagine and they're depressed as hell why cuz it's not about the money no. it's just the realization is such a, a drastic hit um, and they either cope with it or they commit suicide or they they gamble it all away uh, in in a self-destructive mode
0: and in a, in a hopes to get more too because in a way these people uh, No, it's not have-
1: about getting more. It's about getting the feeling they thought they were supposed to
0: have. Well, it was for me I'm getting more. Like when I when I was just like, you know, when I make this company go from out of my house into like a million dollar business, like that'll be it. And then it did turn into that. I was like, I guess it's a hundred million. Right. And thank God I ended up getting a philosophy and stuff like that a little over a year ago. And I was like, no, 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 That's not like, no, once it does get to a hundred million, if it does, that's not going to solve connected anything. Because still to
1: something in your head that says a million dollars means Society look at me That's the and golden. Say I'm a that's
0: the golden goose, right?
1: Right, and it, and and then the bar is always moving, and then when you get the bar, and you realize that's not really what people are looking at you about anymore, uh, and suddenly your re- personal relationships are all suffering, because it didn't fix them.
0: Oh, the amount of uh, wealthy, super wealthy people on their deathbeds, when they're interviewed, it's fascinating. I have so many regrets about just going after a dollar and there's here's the thing when they're interviewed by like uh, Wall Street Journal or whoever ends up doing the, the journalist is the only one there <laughs> Nobody cares they were just looking after the dollar and what are they saying I regret that you're really the only one here and I just went after this dollar and nobody's gonna be at the funeral or anything like that because that's what that's what you cared about when right. when, when what are we really we're social beings. We're supposed to care for each other. This underlying human constitution that I believe that goes beyond any sort of country borders is just do good to others. Not because it might come back to you just because it's the right thing to do. If it does come back good for you, but if it doesn't, you feel
1: great anyway. And there's something that happens even with the first time, if you consider it a first, the first time you do something good, that's outside of yourself and truly selfless uh, you either feel, you know, you'll have that euphoria and then the realization of everything else you haven't done that way. Right. And it's like Pandora's box. Once it's opened, you can never close that box again. The realization hits and it either propels you towards more positive actions or. What made yours open? When I, I had early success and I sat uh, on a yacht uh, off Boca Raton with a bottle of champagne and. I went, this sucks. <laughs> that that's when it hit me that I how did I end up here? uh uh-huh. And uh-huh. I'm about to get divorced. My <laughs> sucks. life sucks. Yeah. Which you <laughs> know, I don't have kids yet, which I wanted when I was eighteen. Uh-huh. And all these things that it was like
0: it was such an empty feeling. That I could have gone one of two ways. But that's the dream. What you're just talking about, that's what everyone dreams about, Preston. Man, yeah. if I, that's you. That's yeah. you, but if I had it, that would be great. I would have all these models around me. Life would be good. It's like, you know it's like? It's like uh, saying, I'm going to get to the ends of the earth.
1: And you keep going around the globe and realize there's no end. And just, you, you get to a goal and there's more and more. And just, you know, a vicious circle. And I, I, I just, uh, not that it has made me you know um, materially wealthy I am not wealthy by any stretch imagination I pour all my effort and money into building this business right mm-hmm. so you know most entrepreneurs are like ranchers we're cash poor and, and asset or company rich right so, right and uh, that, that,
0: that would be where I would be as well but um, that's if you define wealthiness in, in a monetary sense because you are wealthy oh and, and people, in all the other ways
1: I feel blessed I have a a wife that loves me and I love her, two kids that you know are what I consider built, they built their heads right. Uh, um, and your community involvement, basically. Well, that's enriching because I see stuff happening right. that later on I go, wow, you know, I think I remember doing something that helped that. And that's that's rewarding to go, wow, we have a campus here. We have whatever it is that's happening that I did
0: an extremely small part of, but it feels good, you know. And uh, what you end up getting from that is you have uh, this entire town. Basically, uh, if you do care about this, that's one way or another. The thing hasn't won of conversation, but you have pretty much a whole town when I mention your name. is nothing but positive. I've never once mentioned your name like, oh well, you know, one time. <laughs> yeah, you know, I tell you a story about Preston, which it does happen with other people. I know it happens with me. Um, and that's something I need to overcome because, uh, as you said, when you open up Pandora's box, you look at the way you were operating before. Sure. And so when I opened up mine last January, I look back and was just like, oh, the arrogance was so full. So, um, so my demons come out, you
1: know, yes, I, I, and I appreciate the comment. I, I feel that when I'm, you know, on purpose, uh, on track of doing, good without reward, that's awesome. But at four o'clock in the morning, I still will wake up with nightmares. My fear about failing, because you know, that's still like, as far as my pattern. When you say like failing is Failing in in whatever business, right? I think in that moment. No, failing in all sorts of things. Like, you know, as a parent, I traveled for seven and a half years every week down to the Bay Area when the kids were young. I feel like a massive failure. It took a massive realization to say I'm gonna commit career suicide and you know stop working in the Bay Area and do something here. Right. And it was a career suicide, pl- pulling myself out of the ecosystem that I was getting known for into a place that no one knew me. You can't fret about the past though because there's no change. In it. Oh no, but the fear is always about, you know, it's that clock in my head, which is my demon, and it's not a good thing to have, is did I do the right thing? Am I doing the right? Did I say
0: the right thing? You know, it's
1: it's I, I think that's no- a
0: much better demon than most people.
1: I don't know. So, you know, I had no stage fright, but I had stage regret, you know. When I get on the stage, you know, I, I feel confident I can say and talk, and, and and then afterwards I overanalyze, did I did I do it right? Did I say it right? Did I, did I do it from ego? Did I do it from purpose? You know, all these kind of things that operate in my head because I'm constantly re- reassessing myself to make sure I'm
0: walking my talk,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I hate it when I find when I don't. And so you do find out you don't. Oh sure. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Yeah. I actually was doing it in the beginning of this podcast. I don't know if you noticed, but like basically in the beginning, like we were going, and I was just like, well, let me tell you some things that I know. And I was just like, what the hell are you doing? At, this is a guy that you're just trying to do that because these cameras are. on. This is not a normal conversation you have with Preston. And I just kind of realized I was just like, God, arrogant son of a bitch. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> real. It's back all right, there. man. It's all right. And then, but you got there. I, yeah. You got there. Thanks. So we, all, we all fall
1: in it. And, you know, um, Einstein, God, I love him. And he, he's in my head. He's in my head a lot uh, as far as um, the kind of intellect or, and kind of moral and ethical structure that goes with it. To have that intellect and the moral and ethical structure, yet. And, yeah, he, he, there were things that I found out. Through reading his autobiot- uh,
0: autobiographies,
1: well, yeah, uh, <laughs> things that I would go, oh, well, you know, I have to put my framework. at <laughs> all that time. time, you know, yeah. is that appropriate for that time, kind of thing. But, needless to say, this man was conscious about his impact for good and ill, and he worked on that impact. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he always tried, and yet he, he, things would come out because of his background or whatever it is that he would regret later. You know, and he had discoveries that he regretted, right? Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah uh, especially
1: about the uh, E equals MC squared Yeah, I say, so he regretted that, didn't Nuclear power, yeah. positive. Nuclear bond, negative. Sure. And, and the negative outweighed the positive in his head. And he said, maybe I should have been a shoemaker? I think it's the famous phrase.
0: Yeah. You you know, the thing about, I understand how he sees the negative. It's because he saw it used against uh you know japan twice so you need to be like oh this is the way of the world now but uh, look what ended up happening in the long run right so those were dropped at 45 right mm-hmm. maybe i'm off by here. i think it's 45. um and so now we're going on basic math is 64 uh, years later um, and it hasn't happened again 75
1: years it oh yeah, it's, yeah it's 75. it hasn't happened um Again, through war, but it happened for a lot for research. They were exploding bombs all over the earth and in the water and in the ground and above ground, in the air, um, even though the people who were doing it already knew the impact. It's sort of like Roundup right now. You know, Roundup's, uh, you know, Bayer's about to go, uh, trying to distance itself from the Roundup because there's massive amounts of lawsuits that they fool and well knew were coming, mm-hmm. and yet the dollar drove them to keep that product on the market. Mm-hmm. Um, that PL statement we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. That. So, you know, that's an instance where someone along the way, like Einstein, had a moment where they could have decided "Do this is ill and good. Uh, ooh, profit is something in between. <laughs> sure. You know, there's ill and good, and there's profit. And it's almost like its own moral, uh, you know, uh, meter, and it's Somewhere along the lines, ill and good get
0: lost when the meter is profit and loss. I actually see a lot of good from the atomic bomb being created. Um, The lens that I'm looking through it at right now is we have had this ability to blow ourselves up for 75 years, yet we haven't haven't done done it yet. Yeah. I think think that that shows just how good humans are. When people like to hate on it, when the media says all the world's going to crap and everything like that, and just that thing right there, like we have the ability to do it. Why haven't we done it? It takes one person
1: well, just one Hitler, yeah. right? One person who would have used the bomb.
0: Well, King John Moon, mm, he can,
1: right? So, we're on the in verge our, at any moment where, uh, in a heat of self you know, reflection, they feel that the best thing to solve
0: their problem is you know, shoot a bomb. But it hasn't happened that's what i'm saying well, that's what i'm like maybe there is or it's just this underlying notion of like every that everyone's going to die if i do this including me well that's the that mad principle right. right mutually assured destruction mm-hmm. right
1: except a madman who grabs a nuke out of a silo in a country that's been overrun like pakistan sure you know that that's a live example of what could happen if that government fails is you know, there are nuclear weapons that suddenly get into the hands of people that have a totally different idea of what a positive
0: outcome looks like. It's, you know destroying some other country for some of those folks. Right. Well, hopefully, in the sake of, uh, that would be a terrorist, uh, uh, it'd, be, it'd be labeled as a terrorist event, right? And you'd be like, okay, under what nation? Um, hopefully, it would be like, there. this is a nationless attack. So for us to just all of a sudden nuke israel or whoever the finger is pointed to would be pretty uh, unjustified and would result in a bunch of nukes coming back at us so even if one was captured by a madman um, you could i could have the argument of saying yes and then it could go off but i don't think it would be to the world destruction based on that mad principle well i don't think you know a
1: bad a madman can start it with this rational men that will end it mm-hmm. and, You know they react irrationally in that moment and say, you know, nuke Russia, all to hell, and it ruins the planet. Sure. So it's all said and done, it's rational men that still hold uh,
0: the destruction of Earth. It's the madman who can start it. So, so I basically see, uh, so far, a lot of good, and the other good angle on it, too, and I, hopefully Einstein, if he is looking out for someone, I'm like, yeah, you know, it's kind of cool that we haven't done that yet. Is uh, the fact that those you can have the argument that that's why there hasn't been a World War Three? Why do you have a World War One, and in uh, the tens, and then another one just 30 years later, and then all of a sudden we go 75 years without one? When there's, I mean, the, the, without tension. a World War, yeah, without without a World War, without the <coughs> without two powers going at, why hasn't China invaded Taiwan? Right, because we're back, you know, or, or the Russia. U.S. Right, yeah, uh, why hasn't Russia in the Cold War? They could have. I mean, there was little mini battles that you could, you could talk about, like Vietnam could be argued as a battle of the Cold War, and same with Korea, and things of that nature, but there was not flaw in like, we're invading Russia right now, it's just because you have those nukes. It's like, uh, I remember uh, Reagan
1: uh, standing in front of the UN, and he had this comment that sort of flipped a lot of people out, it says, you know, it would, uh, wouldn't it be great if some unseen force, like aliens, attacking our planet, force us all to forget about nation states and and focus on common good you know common enemy or common good
0: oh my gosh that would be very good i was actually just having a conversation about this with one of my buddies i was like you know and i was just thinking not on a world sense but on our nation sense we need that we need something to get us out of our you know hyper
1: focused you know local regional i need that road built in my district so i'll pass legislation makes no sense yeah you know i i need to keep myself elevated to the party, and although ACA, my own family's benefiting from it, I'm gonna kill it because the party wants it done. Yeah. There's yeah. all these kind of things that people are weighing constantly that has
0: nothing to do with the reality of doing something for human good. Right, and the severe divide that's happening right now with people in their own echo chambers on social media and everything is oh just yeah. getting worse and worse with the left and the right just getting further apart, not agreeing on anything. I'm like, man, we could use some alien invasion. <laughs> exactly. And outside threat. Yeah. Well, or you
1: know the opposite of an outside threat is an outside goal, which is what Elon and
0: you know. Um, hey, so there was I mean, some. I uh, okay, so going on that really quick. I don't yeah. want to rant for too long, but um, I'm a little upset with this whole notion that's going on. I didn't vote for Trump, but I do notice he's done some good things and I hate the notion where the media is saying everything he's doing is bad. And so one thing I did like about the moon race is it basically brought us all together to be like, that was pretty cool that I got a guy in the moon. And I was like, we, I was like, we need like another like moon thing or an outside throw or something like that to help bring this country together and Trump, because you know what, we're gonna bring in contract work between Blue Origin and SpaceX and whoever wants to throw their hat in a ring to get us back to the moon by twenty twenty four, and just everything was negative. New York Times, almost everything was just, well, well, big waste of money, anything like that. So like, why can't we just be like, yeah, it would be really cool if we went there and saw it, like and like brought new technology. I could Musk with love it and be like, yeah. Get there and see what's going on. Start like harvesting. Who knows what? Because we only went there like four times. Sure. And I think that's what people lose sight
1: in the press included. That they're in the moment. Right. Right. It's a disaster in a moment to say that because gosh, healthcare fails them. Kennedy, when he said go to the moon, uh, created a government agency that then created so many spawned technologies that we wouldn't be here today. Mm-hmm. With what we have, even cell phones, right? That was all satellite-driven kind of stuff, right? Uh, without that kind of let's let's get to the moon when we couldn't even get off the freaking planet uh, with a rocket. So, uh, you know, I definitely believe in moonshots or galaxy shots or you know whatever you want to call it. Um, if we reach for the stars, we get to the moon. If mm-hmm. we reach for the moon, we get in orbit. So it's as as big as our goal gets, the further it drives us to succeed we probably would never get to another galaxy in any of our lifetimes. Right. But if we say we're going to go to another galaxy, it propels everything to beyond where we would have imagined
2: anyway.
0: Even if we fail, we're beyond where we imagined. It gives right. us yeah, and it gives us like a goal of coming together mm-hmm. and being like and root and just have a bit of pride and you know, yeah. first moon, then we hit to Mars and we start figuring just what what what's there to find out there. It's a great unknown. One of the last frontiers, right? That in our oceans. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'd like I, again, the guy says a lot of mad stuff, but um, he has done some good things. And it's just like, can we get behind America a little bit? And what's it going to take? The people that have a sense of like pride again. I don't know. If it's possible all the way we're going. But, yeah.
1: Well, I don't know if it's possible, but we should strive for the impossible anyway.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. with that, we'll be talking forever. So cheers, uh, <laughs> so things are coming. Tuesday. Up. Tuesday.